Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the conversation series. I am thrilled today to have Micaiah Thurman here with me today. She is a PR strategist. She was uh, a TV anchor for 10 years um, right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. But I'm so excited to have her here, poke her mind. She does B2B and B2C storytelling. Uh, so I'm so interested to dive into your world, Micaiah, and just what you are doing today. So thank you so much for joining me. Danielle, it's such a pleasure just to be here, to have this conversation with you. Uh, just a little bit about me, yes. in addition to what you named. Born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, came to Raleigh with this idea that I was only going to be here two years. Um, I came for the job as a news reporter at the time, and then I was promoted to the weekend anchor, and then I was promoted to the weekday anchor. Then I bought a house and fell in love with Raleigh. So what, I mean, I just never left. So I like to consider myself a Raleighite now. Yes. And we are happy to have you here. I have uh, I have family who's down in Atlanta, so I'm like it's it's a nice 45 minute flight that I love. That's to it. Do once in a while. <laughs> That's it from takeoff to landing. My little Yorkie can make that. <laughs> yes, I everybody's like it's like an hour and 20 flight. I'm like it's really not. I'm like you're up and it's down not. before they can even give you a drink. That's correct. That is spot on. I want to dive into. From newsroom to the boardroom, you're, you made the transition from being a reporter to an anchor, focusing full-time on public relations now. What was that transition like and why, after 10 years, did you make that transition? Oh, it was so obvious. And when I, when I think to everyone, it seems like it happened overnight. But as you may have lived through, you'll have a pulling or a yearning for years before you actually act on it. So my journey from to television actually started when I was young. I've been on television since I was five years old. I had my own talk show, which is hard to believe on a public access station because my mom was a host and a producer. So I was learning how cameras work. I truly grew up in a green room. So I have been doing it for so long, which is why, you know, it was almost effortless to become a news reporter. Uh, but after doing it during the pandemic, which I think was a breaking point for all of us, you look at yourself, you look at how short life is, you say, is this what happiness is? So for me, it wasn't. And I, that's not to say that others don't feel that as well, but it, it just was no longer that. It used to be that. So I started saying, okay, I need to go back to Harvard. I need to get my master's degree. I wanna be able to teach when I leave as well as to continue to work in the field of communications. So it, it was just a blessing all the way around to be able to make this transition so smoothly. And there is so much sacrifice, like you've talked about it too in other venues, but there is so much sacrifice that you have to, to do just to be able to be in that reporter in that anchor position. I mean, you are early mornings or late nights, you are working extremely crazy times and you're missing out on family time and things like that. Like it is, I can only imagine the work-life balance that you had to stumble your way, figure your way out through. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. So for those who don't know, we're talking early mornings. I'm going to just go ahead and, and break down what my schedule was. So I'll give you a snapshot of three years of my life when I was a reporter. When I first started out, this is probably the hardest that it was. Okay. I would wake up at 
2 o'clock in the morning, somewhere between 2 o'clock in the morning and 11 p.m. at night, depending on which morning shift I was on. I would work until about 10 or 11 a.m. I would go home, go to sleep. Then I would go to night school for Harvard. That's from 6 to 10 p.m. every single night for three years. And I looked back and I said, was I alive? Did I go to my friend's baby shower? Did I go to that graduation? Did I make it to the wedding? And the answer to all those things were no. Did I go to that party? Simple things. Did I go out on weekends? Absolutely not. But I accelerated in my career to where I'm the youngest anchor in Raleigh. So the sacrifice paid off. But I do, I, I always say, especially to younger folks, there's a time and a place for everything. You do want to sacrifice. You do want to hustle hard and give them that mindset, but at what cost? So, you know, at 29, 28, I said to myself, okay, the cost is no longer what I'm willing to pay and it's time to pass the baton on. So I strategize and I tried to make a plan on what that would look like. And you've, you've now, you recently just did an Instagram post, which I loved it celebrating, you know, it had been a year since you officially mm -hmm hung up and put your reporter hat and your anchor hat i took that off and started really in the pr strategist role and i just want to start with where did the passion come from for pr you know you got your degree in communications but where exactly as a pr strategist where did that become your next passion your next road to go down so what, it would be interesting in the newsroom, especially anchors and reporters, they get what's called pitches all the time. And in layman's terms, it's companies trying to get on the news, like trying to get the free advertising. And I would see them and they'd be poorly written or there was a better way to say it. And I'm just like, you have the nuts and bolts there, but you're just not doing a really strong job of telling your story. And you can create and build a fantastic company, but if you don't have someone in that PR marketing mindset, it just won't land. So that's what was happening. I was seeing it over and over again. And I'm like, boy, if I could help them out, <laughs> it would make a world yes. of difference. Yeah. And, and that's where I said, okay, I am going to actually do that. And in addition to that, let's talk about the real life part of it. I had my best friend at the time who was working for a remote PR agency, the SCPR, and okay. she was traveling all around the world. I mean, truly, she was traveling all, she was never at home. I don't even think she had a, a current place. She was like, oh, I'm in Europe, I'm in New Zealand. And I'm like, well, I'm waking up at 2 a.m. and I can't see straight. Like, what, it, what, what are we doing different? Yeah. And I saw how she was living her life. And I knew that the public relations arena and specifically a remote working environment would be better for me after years of busting my tail. Yep. And I just want to reiterate the point you said at the beginning, like, you have a company has to have a great PR somebody, somebody in house, like it can be a low level and you bring an agency in or something, but not having that is such a critical part of a communications plan. Whether you're a private company wanting to go public, whether you are, like you were saying, pitching yourself to, uh, to news stations or a variety of different avenues, like it is so crucial to have that position because you're just missing out on so many other external opportunities if you're not if you don't have that. You know what I found? Okay, Danielle, you'll love this. I'll ask every founder what makes their product special. And they're like, we're 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 because it's the best. And everybody knows that. I'm like, no one knows that. Not even your parents. No one knows it. No one knows you. 
So not even being able to have concrete differentiators, like if, let's say you can't afford a PR strategist, understandable. You should know why you're different and it can't just be just because no one else is like us or even better, I'll say, who's your competitors? No one's our competitor. And I'm like, yeah. got it. Okay, thank you. That's all I need to know. Yep. <laughs> If you don't know your competitors, we have a different set of issues and a different set of problems there that we got to go figure out. Um, but it's, it's so incredibly true because every founder and CEO wants to stand up there and say, we are the best. We beat all of our competitors, pound our chest as hard as, as hard as we can. Like it just doesn't roll that way most of the time. And so what is the story to get out there? And I think that's where poking your mind a little bit on the b2b and the b2c storytelling like it's so incredibly important but why what is it the pieces that you look for when talking with these ceos and founders that you say okay we've got pieces here here's what we need to kind of put this all together to really tell a business's story I think of it like this. Well, when you know, you know, but talking to a founder, it's about knowing what they do. So I look for passion. There's a lot of money making that happens, you know, in all arenas, no matter what industry you're in, there are people who are driven by money. That's not something that gets me excited because I want to know you're passionate about whatever it is, whether it be climate change, whether it be AI, whether it be tech, whether it be your nail salon or your hair salon, whatever it is, I want you to be passionate about because, about that because that's something I can't mimic. I can't go to cosmetology school or go to Harvard to learn about AI the way you know it. I can handle the PR side. So I look for a founder who's really in it. I really has that grit because when you have that, that's the foundation. You don't want any cocky founders. Then beyond that, it's the differentiator, right? Or in other words, our CEO calls this the magic sauce. What is the magic sauce that a company has? And usually they don't know it. When you come to a PR strategist, that's not wrong that you don't know it, but that's where the conversation begins. So then we'll say, okay, I'll, I'll use you for an example, Danielle. Yes. So I'll say, okay, we're talking about the conversation series podcast. I'll ask you your differentiator. If for some reason you didn't know for this particular podcast, that'd be one thing. Then I'd say, okay, what's Danielle's differentiator? Tell me about you as a creator and as a founder, what makes you special? So sometimes we work our way deeper and deeper and deeper. It might be harder to answer one or the other, but there's plenty of companies who the company itself isn't special, but the person previously founded another company that was super successful. And we can talk about that and say, listen, this company is solving a problem that I noticed in that company. So there's a diverse a way that we can get to what your differentiator is, but you do have to have people around you who are honest, who say, I'm confused. I am not following. I don't know what you're saying. And I think it's scary sometimes when you are sitting down and talking with the CEO and founder, you have to have that gumption to look at them and say, time out real quick. We're, <laughs> we have to, we have to dig a little deeper here. We have to figure out more. Cause I think we all just want to listen to the CEO, shake our heads and nod our heads and say, yep, yep, yep. But it's sometimes like you have to look at them and be like, mm -mm. I don't know. That's agree. it. I don't, we gotta, we gotta fix this. We have to do this. We need to take a time out because CEOs and founders want to work as quickly and as fast as they can. And sometimes it's just, it's not there and you have to mm -hmm. take the time to get it there and in, in a place. And it's, it's not all the time what CEOs and founders want to hear. 
And Danielle, I think what you're talking about is like, sometimes what we struggle with as women, we struggle finding our voice. And I'll have to challenge myself sometimes. I'll write a sentence and I'll say, I think we should do it this way. And I'm like, what guy says, I think, right? They say, my recommendation is this. strong sentences and so a lot of what challenges i face as a as a young person even in the anchor world is who am i and how can i uh present myself in a way that my peers would so it just takes a boost of confidence it takes you knowing who you are and saying this is my recommendation it's okay but that confidence it, it, it it's really hard when you're a woman in corporate america to do that in general so especially when you're coming into a founder you just have to speak their language just talk like they're talking match the energy as i guess gen z would say it and then and then take it from there i love that i love that so much in that phrase like just getting into that mindset i don't think is what we all getting into that uh male voice is what we Mm -hmm. all just immediately jump Mm -hmm. in and it is taking ourselves out of that role and hopping into another um and that's fantastic. I like, I hadn't approached it that way, but now I'm going to, cause I love that. <laughs> um, I want to hop to media training because this is something I'm so fascinated with right now. And I think it is incredibly important. I've been part of a company that went public. We did all the media training in the spiel and I saw just a glimpse on the importance of that, but there's so many different venues too where it's a really good time to do media training outside of a company going public. What is so important about media training? What are the things to go in and teach people when talking with media? What are the things to point out? What are the keys to success here? So media training starts with number one, how do you get the media's attention, right? You don't need to be trained for an interview if you don't get one. So it's this idea of, putting things in categories. When I work with founders or CMOs or, or COOs, a lot of times they've never been exposed to the media or if they have, it's only been in one medium. And by that, if you've never heard that word, you've only done print but you've never done broadcast. And if you did broadcast, it was only national broadcast. You've never done local broadcast. So you don't know, and I'll give you an example. Well, Makai, what's the difference between national and local? Well, national, you're trying to reach a wide swath of people all at the same time. So your talking points need to be really general and also really simple. But if I was doing a local television station, I need to throw in, hey, like you've done in this interview, She's from Raleigh, right? You're you're connecting the dots for them to say, we are of the people here, and I'm not gonna speak in general terms about a product and not say, you know, it's just off of, uh, you know, Jones Franklin Road. It's just off of like Franklin Street. So you would just, you want to localize as much as possible, but when you go through media training, my first job, my first job is to get them to say less. That is my first and usually my last job. We okay. start with, hey, a soundbite should be about 20 seconds. This is not a podcast. You know, you, you, you need to, this is a news segment that will chop it up to five seconds if they have to. Yeah. So don't take your time getting to the point. So that's usually my first point. And then also what I circle back to, strong, punchy answers. I love that you have like, 
you bring that knowledge, which I think makes you just even stronger as a PR strategist, you bring that knowledge of what it is to be inside that newsroom to look at your to look at your clients and be like, Nope, this is exactly what they're going to do with this. Mm -hmm. And you can paint an exact picture for them, which I think not a whole lot of people who are sitting that PR and communication seat have that knowledge of they have a basis they may have friends who are there and they may have been in the industry long enough but you bring that secondhand knowledge which i think like you were just saying gives you a power punch in that training and in the seat that you are well it's twofold i'm still a student of pr that is that's my belief it because i, I you, you two years in don't know everything you need to know about pr and i would i would be naive to think i do on the other side, I can be here and I'll hear conversations of, hey, this is what reporters want, whether it be from a founder or a peer or what have you. And I'm like, I know in my gut of all things, I know this is this is not what a reporter wants to see or wants to hear. That you can't mimic, you can't go to school for it. You just have had to have done the job. Yeah. So I do think in many ways, I'm I'm sitting at the feet of these great PR strategists that uh, that work around me and I'm studying them. I watch documentaries on them. I'm studying the Stanley Cup. I'm trying to figure out how the Stanley Cup blew up at the same time that I'm studying how the downfall of Sears happened yeah. and how Sears used to be a massive entity. Yeah. And then it fell. So I study these things as if it's my homework. But at the same time, I know today that my best friends in the world still work in the newsroom and I know what they like and I know what they'll cover. And I know the cadence that local news and national news moves yeah. because I reported for both. So to your point, that is something that I do feel like is a secret weapon that if you work with Micaiah, you get kind of get all parts of that. I love that. And I love that you said that you are still a continuous student. I think we're all a student and no matter, like if you're not, then you shouldn't, <laughs> then you got, Definitely. you got to re-spark that passion or you got to find something else. Because if you're not continuously learning every single day, it's just something you you've hit a point where it's just not a passion for you anymore. So I love that you point that out. And what I'm learning right now is AI. So that's the big one. That's the big one. How AI can help PR be better. How okay. can it help storytelling? That is the thing that we should all be learning. Anyone who says, oh, I don't have anything to learn in my career, job, talents, hobbies. I would say integrate AI into what you're doing or learn how to, and you you become a student again. So that's been really fun. I yes. love that. Yes, and that's what you did your TEDx talk here in Raleigh about yes. as well, which was incredible mm -hmm. to listen to. I'm a, I work for a cybersecurity company. So this is a constant conversation for us. Oh, wow. But, but it's, it's also like when this came around, my dad's worked in software for 30 years. And so he's kind of, been able to see the evolution of all of you know yeah. the internet and everything like that. And so when AI came around, he sent it to my sister and I. He's like, learn it or get behind it because he's That's like, it. this is the thing that is going to take over everything. And so it's so interesting. There's so many different facets to AI. I mean, you can write it could write a whole cover letter for you for a job. It can do anything. And, and one of the things that I learned from my CEO, the team, is never start with a blank page. You know that moment when you decide you're going to write something? Let's use cover letter as your example. Yes. And you sit there and you go, okay, 
I am ready. I am ready to write. And then you sit down and you're like, (laughs) right? Grab that job description, go throw it in, let it get something started. Now, here's where people fail. They're like, great. And I'm done. That's not it, right? It's just a starting point. But no matter what task, I don't care if you've got to make a schedule for your kids' soccer practice and you need to figure out when is what meals you should cook on those days, it will do that for you. So I never start with a a blank page. I call it my AI assistant. AI assistant is always going to be there. It's always going to help get me started. So my idea should be 10 times better than wherever it started. That's the bar that I hold for myself. I love that. I love that approach. Where is your focus right now in terms of the clients you're working with? What industries? Where is where are you wanting to put your efforts right now? Media placements. And by that, I mean like out the gate, lots of media placements. So we're recording this in early, uh, early 2024. It's not January, but it and but we've been in a lull all through the holidays, Thanksgiving yeah. and Christmas. People move slow. Right now, it is all about coming out of the gate with a strong announcement, with a strong media replacement, uh, also building relationships with reporters. Unfortunately, the journalism industry is seeing so much turnover, um, so many layoffs that many of the relationships that I have had are either changing or shifting. So my job right now is to figure out who is still there or who has been hired and build a relationship with them, but also to remember those who have been laid off and figure out what they're doing. I support personal blogs and newsletters just as much as I would if you were at Forbes or Fortune Magazine. So as these layoffs are happening, I'm remembering those contacts because they will be rehired and they'll, and they will, and they will remember who said, oh, I was only meeting you for a placement at the time versus who's actually building a relationship with them. I think it's, I I saw it, I worked in healthcare for three years and we saw so much, you know, when COVID started, everybody was kind of established in their places as, as uh, journalists. But then you started seeing once we got about two years out, you were kind of reaching out to people and were like, oh, you're not there anymore. Like you have gone yeah. somewhere else. And so it's so interesting to see, to your point, where people land their feet next. And my biggest thing in life, I, everything I've ever gotten has been because of relationships. I cannot think of anything that I got because I was the smartest person in the room. I'm just going to be honest, right? I was, I'm almost never the smartest person in the room. I, I can tell you that it is because I listened and I had conversations with people and they remember that. They remember the fact that you held the door for them. They remember the fact that you asked them about something personal in their life. So while yes, I can be like, oh, I went to Harvard and I graduated with XX and all this, that doesn't mean anything when you're sitting in a room full of people. So if there's anything that I can leave, you will get everything you need in life. If you build good relationships, maintain those, and then think of all all ways who you can help. That's that's the last part of that. So it's not just about getting what you want, but also if someone asks for a mentor, raise your hand. Yes, I've I've preached, you know, networking ever since I was in college and just how important like thank God for LinkedIn. Quite honestly, like if yes. I, I love it to pieces because sometimes it, it has become a little bit like there are elements where people are getting a little too Facebooky, but at the same time, it's such a great way to just even comment on things that 
interest you that people are posting about starting conversations that way. But at the same time, I always say to everybody, I'm like, I am the friendliest. I try to be the friendliest person I can to customer service because they are probably getting ragged on all day. That's it. I'm like, I don't want to be the person that adds more to that person's day. I'm like, I don't care. Like I am in no rush. I am in, as Mm -hmm. long as we get an answer at the end, I'm like, take your time, do whatever we need to do. Tell me what you need from me. But to your point of holding the door for somebody like being in the community, you have no idea. This world Mm -hmm. is very, very small world. You have no idea how that is going to come back and how that person that you were saying you were going to, you open the door for could lead to something Mm -hmm. later down the road. You have no idea. It, it is just about, and I, and you don't do it to get anything. You're not nice to people so you can get something, but I do believe that what you put out there, you get back. And it's a constant reminder to try to lead with kindness and love and think in a, in a, in a, in a meditative mindset, which means that you can't just be focused on what you need. I personally go to yoga. That's my, that's my joy. That's my reset. So we all get stressed, right? We all get short and we're just like, gosh, why couldn't it just have been this? I had a door dasher eat my food the other day. It just, and I said, to, I, I said to myself, I was like, listen, you don't know what they were going through. You don't know if that's all they had that day. Of course I asked for my money back, but I, the anger that I would have had to say, how dare you now I'm hungry. I'm like, go make a sandwich. You know, it's like, go make a sandwich, move on, get your money back. And that's exactly what I did. Can I just say, though, that that's the kind of stuff you hear on news or on social media. Like, you never hear it straight from somebody else. So to hear that, I'm like, my jaw is on the floor right now hearing that. On my ring doorbell is trying to close the bag because it was stapled shut. Is trying to close the bag on the side where they were getting the fries out. So my fault for getting fries from DoorDash. I've heard horror stories about that being not something to order. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. My last question for you, Makaya, though, is just what inspires you? Hmm. That's a great question. So I'm inspired right now by the being in like a miracle mindset. And what that looks like is that we can ask for miracles at any point. In fact, we should always be asking for miracles. So it challenges me not to get complacent, not to get comfortable and to go, okay, what's the miracle waiting on me today? And when we say miracle, like some people are like, oh, healed from sickness, that kind of thing. Sometimes the miracle is just forgiving somebody as we just mentioned. Sometimes the miracle is just an idea. Maybe it's getting a podcast guest and that's the miracle of who you should interview next. I think we have to remind ourselves that our present is not our final and to be hungry throughout the day to look for the miracles. And I don't mean it in the Christian sense, but just what is the miracle that little breadcrumb of what you're supposed to do next that's popping up for you. I love that. It is the joy of my day when I go, hey, mom, I had an idea. And she goes, okay. And then I go, okay, this is my miracle for today. So it just it brings me so much joy. I love that. I've never heard that, but it phrased that way, miracle mindset, but I love that and what it, it what it stands for and what it means uh, because you are kind of just, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be yeah. tiny, small, but it's just, it's that little thing in the day that kind of gives you the little kick in the butt to, hey, here's, here's the good. Here is the good That's that you're working towards. 
That's it. That's it. So now I want you to message me when you find your miracle, Danielle. I will. I will definitely let you know, like <laughs> in the day, but this is, this is fantastic. I love starting my day off with a recording like this. Cause I'm like, all right, oh. I'm ready to go conquer the day. That's what I'm so excited about. It's this is the great part of this, this venue. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you so much, Micaiah, for sitting down with me and sharing your story. And if you guys do not follow Micaiah, please, 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 all of her socials are going to be linked down below. So please go give her a follow. And I will even link her TED Talk so you can go listen to uh, her presentation on AI because it was so fascinating because I'm, I'm doing the same research you're doing right now. I'm like, I'm so interested in all of this right now. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. Yes, absolutely. And as always, I will see you guys back here next time. Bye, y'all.